Welcome to Washington Unplugged. Ireland's first female president, Mary Robinson, was among the recipients of the Presidential Medal of Freedom yesterday afternoon at the White House. She received it despite fierce opposition from pro-Israel advocates who criticized her role in the Durban Anti-Racism Conference of 2001, which was known for its anti-Semitic rhetoric. Former Bush officials also criticized her record during her time as UN High Commissioner on Human Rights. I spoke with President Robinson right after she left the White House yesterday and asked her how it felt to receive the honor from an administration she hasn't always seen eye to eye with. How does this feel? It feels great. I studied in this country. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Law School and I've always talked about that year as being one of the most inspirational in my life. It was the year when Martin Luther King was assassinated and Robert Kennedy was killed just after I graduated. And I came back to Ireland inspired by what I'd learned about the civil rights movement in this country. I am extremely comfortable in the United States, as most Irish people are, and uh, the only uh, way in which I address issues for any country is on a complete situation of um, sort of, if you like, kind of, I raise, and when I was High Commissioner in particular, um, the human rights issues of every country in a very thoughtful way that is relevant to that country. And of course, there were many issues of human rights to be raised, especially um, in my last year as High Commissioner for Human Rights. Now, you had many open clashes with the Bush administration. Would you have accepted this honor from President Bush? I don't think I have to even speculate about that. Um, uh, I have extremely good relations, for example, with Colin Powell. He's somebody I have a huge admiration for. And there were many other uh, representatives in the Bush administration that I have um, very good personal relationships with. Uh, I did not agree with a number of issues at that time, but uh, it is special to me that this is the first Presidential Medal of Freedom that President Obama has chosen to uh, confer on those of us that he has called agents of change. I genuinely feel both honored and humbled to be in such extraordinary company, and it was a very, very warm ceremony. Now, the president cited your work for women's rights and the fact that you were Ireland's first female president. He called you an advocate for the hungry and the hunted, the forgotten and the ignored, who's not only shown a light on human suffering, but illuminated a better future for our world. So when you look back, how did you change the way things are and what do you think still needs to be done? Sometimes it's better that other people tell you the way in which you've changed things. But I was very conscious when I was elected the first woman president in Ireland that I could also develop the office of president directly elected by the people to link with the political power, which was with the Prime Minister of the Taoiseach and government, and yet carve out a special role both within Ireland and internationally. So I was the first president to go to Rwanda and to Somalia after the, uh, during the conflict and famine there. And I built up the Office of UN High Commissioner for Human Rights from a very small, underfunded, under-resourced office to being a real voice within the United Nations on human rights. And now I'm doing very pioneering work with my colleagues. But you, know, you don't get recognition like a presidential medal as an individual alone. It means that a whole lot of other people worked with you. And this honor is an honor for all human rights defenders with whom I'm really quite close touch. And I know that they see it as an honor, an honor for Ireland and the first Irish person but also particularly an honor for human rights defenders. Now, your work as the UN Human Rights Commissioner also led to some of the greatest criticism that was leveled against you, um, especially for your participation in the 
uh, UN's Durban Anti-Racism Conference. Now, at issue was the fact that many of the attendees wanted to bring back... Um, you know, there's a wonderful story mm -hmm. about Durban, and it hasn't yet been told. I was very struck, I was very heartened yesterday when Ambassador Nancy Rubin, who was an ambassador of the United States on human rights for quite a part of the time when I was High Commissioner, rang me in some distress from Italy at, at some of the stuff that she'd heard about, but she knows is not well-based. And she said, Mary, it's time there was a definitive, good, objective analysis. And when that happens, I think, and when the story really comes out, it will actually be very useful also to this country. It needs now, I believe, to be done, that there is a, you know, as, as Nancy Rubin has said, an independent analysis of what happened in Durban, who had responsibility for what in the United Nations system, who had responsibility for the conference, who was chair of the conference, South Africa, how were member states doing what they did, what role did I play? Everybody there knows that I played a huge role in trying to fight the anti-Semitism. I was almost on my own in trying to do it. But that's a story that has to come out objectively. Now, at issue, of course, was the clause that some of the attendees wanted to bring back, which equates Zionism with Absolutely. racism. And I fought against that and got it removed uh, in the end by, you know, uh, uh, in fact, it's not even important that we discuss it here because it's a very, very important part of history now. And there is a completely um, sort of uh, understandable maybe because of the degree of anti-Semitism, which I fought very hard to combat and which I really regretted and which never should have happened. This was a conference against racism and xenophobia and anti-Semitism. It has somehow got locked into an account. Um, part of it, um, I think, um, it can be explained by the fact that three days later we had the terrible attacks of 9-11. There was never a proper evaluation of this conference and it got locked in a particular way. I would very much welcome the idea that Nancy Rubin has put forward and others are also putting forward of having a, maybe it's somebody with an understanding of how the UN works, somebody with an understanding how the member states works, how civil society at a conference like that works, and let's have the account of the truth. And I would be very happy with that, very happy. So to let you answer your critics, some from the previous administration, you do not believe that Zionism equals racism? Of course not. I've been fighting anti-Semitism all my life. and Everybody knows that, who knows me. So why did both the US and Israel pull out of that conference? That's a story that needs to be told well. Um, it was a very difficult time. I didn't agree with that decision. The conference could have collapsed. It didn't collapse. In the end, there was no anti-Semitic language in the final document. But people don't know that because there's never been a proper accounting. But there will be, I hope. Out of all of this, to me, um, you know, slings and arrows of recent criticism, um, I want the truth to now come out in a very balanced, objective way. And that, I think, is what we're all aiming for. Uh, another one of your critics, so I'd like to give you a chance to answer, because it's been out in some of the blogs today, and some of the cable channels have been reporting it, that um, the late Representative Tom Lantos said that um, he felt you equated the suffering of the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza with the suffering of the Jews from the Holocaust. I never made that equation. I was a good friend of Tom Lantos, a wonderful man, a Holocaust survivor. And he knew me when I was president of Ireland, and he knew me at the start of my time as High Commissioner. And uh, it's, again, a story that isn't for a few minutes on television. It has to be looked at in a very comprehensive way. But he misjudged my role. He thought I had 
the political power of being chair of this conference or something. I wasn't. South Africa was chair of this conference. And so there's a long story there. Mm. Um, Tom Lantos wrote an article that was not factually based in so many different ways. A number of people have taken him up on it. But I now see the need for a comprehensive, independent evaluation. I think I'm owed it, actually. I've been judged by people who've never met me, who don't know what I stand for. I welcome this opportunity to you know, say, um, I really want this to come out in the fullest independent examination. It would be good for this country because we have to move on. We have to continue to fight anti-Semitism wherever we find it. We have to continue to address any attempts to have. I had a very key role in ensuring that the review conference did not take place in South Africa. I intervened with the Secretary General on, at the request of some Jewish groups to make sure that it took place in Geneva where there would be less likelihood of this kind of emotional anti-Semitism. That's the story of my life. But there is a different version, and I want the truth to come out. Now, speaking of this country, um, you are on the record as saying that some of the practices um, of the last administration, waterboarding, for instance, uh, should be investigated. And yet, President Obama has decided to leave some of that in the past. At least, that's the position right now. What do you think of that position? It's very much a matter for this country, for the Congress of your country, for the President of your country to decide in what way there may be um, uh, an examination of some of the issues. What I was aware of for the, for the final year, my fifth year as UN High Commissioner, which was the year after the appalling attacks in this country, I went to Ground Zero, I grieved with the families, I saw the volunteers, I saw the resilience and the determination of people to move on from that terrible time. But I also then subsequently saw the United States not upholding the high standards. No torture. Torture is not acceptable. That was the wonderful standard that the United States has always championed, including during most of my time as High Commissioner. It was a bit rough when that changed and when Guantanamo Bay was opened with no regard for the Geneva Conventions. Today is the 60th anniversary of the Geneva Conventions. Today. And I honor that and it was not upheld in the way that Guantanamo Bay was opened. As a human rights person, of course, I address that. But I love this country. It's a second home to me as an Irish person, and I've always valued the warm relations between uh, Ireland and the United States. And I work happily from New York at the moment and have colleagues here in Washington and in Geneva. And I've deliberately chosen to do my human rights work from here. Well, President Obama's press spokesman, Robert Gibbs, said that the administration didn't agree with everything you'd said, but they honored your work. The and president that's couldn't have been warmer today, and Michelle Obama. I was very, very touched by how warm and how supportive they were. And I think you know, that's something that I will treasure for the rest of my life, because I think um, he's a president who has broken his own barriers. He understands. Charles Lane of the Washington Post wrote a scathing op-ed Wednesday criticizing the White House's decision to give Mrs. Robinson that honor. And he joins us now from his newsroom. So why do you think Mrs. Robinson did not deserve to get this medal? Well, I look at it in the context of past recipients of this medal uh, who are not U.S. citizens, which has been a very, very small, uh, less than 5% of all the people who've ever gotten it. And particularly within that group, the foreign leaders of countries who've gotten it. And those people have been really, uh, you know, great, uh, almost historic personalities, people like Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Anwar Sadat, 
And when you look at her record, uh, Mary Robinson really just doesn't even come close to those people's achievements. I mean, she was uh, a ceremonial president of Ireland and then the head of a Human Rights Commission of the United Nations, which was extremely ineffective and controversial. Mm. And since then, sort of head of a bunch of foundations. I just don't well, think she measures up to the standard of past recipients. Let's get specific. In your editorial, you attack her participation in the Durban Racism Conference. You say that she didn't do enough. Well, what I say is the conference itself was kind of a joke. I mean, even if it had not been badly tainted by all kinds of uh, anti-Semitic rhetoric, which in fairness to her, I think she tried to control. I don't think she was totally successful, but I don't think she's an anti-Semite. This conference was just a conference. Uh, it produced some report which basically said, you know, racism is bad in 62 extremely difficult to read pages. And then everyone went away and it had no impact. And, uh, yet, and yet she says that she um, fought to keep the anti-Semitic language out of this conference and she achieved that. She also says that she spoke out at a time when it was very difficult for people across the world to speak out against some of the things the Bush administration was doing. You also attacked her for that. Well, look, I mean, if her claim is without me, this bad conference would have been even worse, you know, I'll concede that. I just don't think that's the level of a Medal of Freedom winner. That's not much of a, of that, compare that to what Mother Teresa, John Paul II, and Nelson Mandela accomplished, I don't think it rates. As for her criticisms of President Bush, I think those were voiced by many, 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 many other people in Europe and across the world and indeed in the United States. And I don't think her voice particularly stood out. I don't think it was a particularly courageous thing to do, actually. I think a lot of people were doing it. So I just don't see what's so special about Mary Robinson. And I repeat, particularly when you look at the context of other winners who were not American citizens, which is a very, very special and select category over the years. But at this point, you are not uh, blaming her for the outcome of the conference because your editorial came out with a slightly different tone, much no, no, more that, aggressive. No, 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 not, not exactly. What I said was basically, I think her detractors have said the conference is all her fault, and she defends herself by saying it could have been even worse. I don't think it's even that important to decide because I think the conference itself was, was a big nothing. Um, and even if it had been a great conference, all it was was a conference. Um, so it, it, what kind of, a, of an accomplishment is that, you know, particularly compared with the tremendous uh, sacrifices and moral leadership of the other winners of this award in the past, like Aung San Suu Kyi, who's still in prison in Burma for her beliefs. A person like Helmut Kohl, who was a friend of presidents of both parties, governed Germany for longer than any other person in history and achieved the peaceful reunification of that country. I mean, Mary Robinson just doesn't stack up, and I think her getting this award, in effect, dilutes its importance, and I think that's unfortunate. Well, she says she's going to use the award to accomplish more good, so I guess we'll have to see what she does from here on, and history will be the judge. I, I, hope, I hope something good comes out of it, that's for sure. Thank you very much for joining us, and Thank thanks you. for watching Washington Unplugged. Join us again tomorrow at 1230 on CBSNews.com. I'm Kimberly Dozier.